0: I'm Don Tess, better known as the Don of Beer.
1: And I'm Em Sauter, better known as Pints and Panels.
0: Welcome to the fourth episode of the All About Beer podcast. Every two weeks, we talk with leading experts and take a deep dive into one topic in beer. Visit allabeer, allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media at allaboutbeer. And visit patreon.com slash allaboutbeer to support this show and others. This week on the show, we're gonna talk about uh, tap rooms. We're going to talk to Chris Loring of Notch Brewing and Kinsey Bernhardt of Austin Beerworks. So, So I am a huge fan of going to brewery tap rooms. When I travel, that's usually my first stop. I like that you can get a sense of the ethos of the brewery. You get to taste a, a, a bunch of different beers. Uh, you know that the beer that they serve in the tap room is going to be treated well and maybe you get to meet the brewer or some somebody else who can teach you a few things about about the beer you're drinking how about you
1: well I like a good tap room and I think oh. there's a huge <laughs> difference between a good one and a great one and a not so great one so I'm really excited to have uh, these two guests on today because I want to learn more about what makes a good tasting room versus just a ring re- you know a re- you've been to those tasting rooms it's I like have. oh oh it's that stool you know what <laughs> i <laughs> this really uncomfortable stool that they're just going to stack in the corner or the, you know, the beer is going to be in a glass that's not clean or there's a TV that's too loud or I'm a, I'm a cranky old lady. So I've I'm very particular about a good tap room and luckily there are some great ones out there and I'm excited to talk to Chris and Kinsey today about those.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Well, uh, we'll introduce our guest and get into a conversation, but first we're going to take a moment to hear from our sponsors, and if you would like to help uh, support the show, please reach out to podcast at allaboutbeer.com.
2: This show is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company's award-winning craft non-alcoholic beers are fit for all times, downtime, work time, game time, even gym time. Pick a time and grab an athletic because it's about time you could enjoy a great-tasting brew anytime you want, even right now. Head to athleticbrewing.com and get some fresh brews delivered. New customers can even get 20% off with code Beer 20 and free shipping on two six packs or more.
3: Hi, this is John Hall, the editor of All About Beer, inviting you to check out the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast. It's available on all of the major platforms and the weekly show features long form conversations with brewers, growers and personalities from the beer industry. New episodes release every Wednesday. Just search, drink beer, think beer.
0: Chris Loring began brewing in the early 1990s, spending time at a number of breweries and tap rooms before founding Notch Brewing Company in Salem and Brighton, Massachusetts. Chris has been in the industry long enough to develop strong opinions, but with the knowledge to back them up, all without becoming too jaded. He remains a passionate advocate for beer, including for lager and session beers. His passion for beer, community, and music is reflected in his fantastic tap rooms, breweries, and beer gardens. And that's why we asked him here today. Chris, welcome to the show.
4: Thanks for having me, I appreciate it.
0: So uh, for people uh, unfamiliar with Notch, can you tell us about Notch? And particularly since this episode is about tap rooms, uh, what makes the Notch tap rooms special? and how do they reflect your beer?
4: Sure, so Notch is uh, 12 years old this year. Uh, we primarily brew European-influenced uh, beers, a uh, lager in particular. Most of our beers are modest alcohol, um, you know, really based on that kind of European tradition of multiple rounds in a beer garden, beer hall. Um, we have two uh, tap rooms. Our flagship is in Salem, Massachusetts, and that's been in operation for six years. Uh, and then we built and opened our Boston location in the neighborhood of Brighton in uh, just last year, 2000, uh, 2011. Um, and, you know, and both of those really are built to um, emphasize the, the the beers that we produce in the experience and in the the atmosphere, we we feel um, highlights and complements the beers. Um, yes, you know, so I think when you walk in the door, you understand right away that it's a little bit different take on what a u.s consumer would see when they walk into um what they would have expected in a hazy ipa kind of tap tap room experience which is a little bit different than what we what we provide so
0: so can i pull on that like in yeah, what definitely. way what what does the describe what's different i guess
4: and everything i'm going to say i always like to say this this is just our point of view what i'm saying what we do is not correct versus someone else being wrong this is just our point of view
0: because
4: <laughs> yeah. just because we're for something doesn't mean we're against something else um, but we uh i am i've been a brewer for, for decades and i have um you know things uh the ways i like to enjoy beer and they kind of fly in the face of where the current trends were going um in terms of um you know, every beer has to be a new beer experience for, for a certain uh customer uh that led to flights that re that leads to rating beers that leads to anti-social environments a lot you know a lot of people have their head in the phone more concerned about telling other people who aren't within the room they're in about the experience they're having through rating and and social media and i really wanted um our, our beers um to be consumed in an environment that were more communal and more about the person sitting across the table from you so we don't have a bar with seats we don't have televisions um you know and a lot of this seems kind of um not standard but more familiar now um because i think a lot of a lot of tap rooms have gone in that direction um, but when we started you know building this place 7 years ago that was definitely unique um and uh, our staff saw it when we opened one of the first things they noticed in Salem was people didn't have their heads in their phones because they're sitting across a table from each other uh, and it's kind of rude to pull out your phone and there's you know, just your, your significant other or your friends across the table from you and you get your head in the phone and they're staring at you. Right. right? So it, it leads to a more communal environment. So in our in our in our tap room beer hall and beer gardens, you definitely see more of that. Uh, it's all shared tables. Uh, you don't own the table, you share it. Um and it's very informal um and relaxed uh, in a way that I think people really enjoy. I think that's a general theme in tap rooms. Where it's more of a coffee shop than it is a restaurant. You walk in, you get your beer, and you can hang out as long as you want. No one's forcing a check at you, or they're not this, you know, need to turn the table because they gotta do so many covers in a night. And I think that's where a lot of people have really connected with tap rooms and way they haven't connected with beer bars or restaurants. Um, but with that, there's a lot you can do underneath that kind of like relaxed and informal environment. And we leaned in more towards the German Czech um beer hall kind of kind of vibe based upon what we're doing. Without, without being you know, Disneyland about it or Disney world about it. We're not trying to recreate those experiences, you know, right. Letter for letter. We're trying to have, um, you know, an appreciation of those, uh, but, you know, doing it in a way that is still, you know, true to true to us and unique to us.
1: Do you do so, ev- events? Sorry, Don.
0: No,
4: no, like,
1: please. Do you do events? Like I find a lot of tasting rooms now are trivia night, live music, paint night. I, mean, you name it, they do it. Uh, so, does notch do anything like, that? I know you have a skee ball machine.
4: Yeah, we have a ski ball machine, so we <laughs> we we shot away from events a lot. You know, post COVID, we're coming out of that. You're a little bit more. Um, you need to be a little more program driven. Um, so we tried to programming that's unique to us. Typically, if we see you know another local um, tap room doing something, we won't we won't do that. Not because we think it's not appropriate. We just don't want to be. We, we don't want to be you know cookie cutter and like oh they're doing it. Let's uh, let, uh, let we'll do that as well. We want to be differentiated. The skee ball machine came from because Salem has um, the unique amusement park that you know is uh, 150 years old that has a uh, arcade that you know is basically old school games and skee ball. If you grew up in Salem, you played skee ball, so the skee ball machine was really a uh, you know a, a nod to the, the the history of the town because um, everyone who grew up here walks in and is like yeah skee ball it's it's a second nature to everyone but yeah we're gonna roll you know we're gonna roll a little bit and have fun and I remember what it's like when we were a kid so that's where it came from. But back to this, the question of events. We try to do events uh, based around the beers that we produce. That's really the main theme. Um, So we do things like Kolsch night. Uh, Kolsch is a year on beer of ours. So uh, we have a Kolsch night where it would be similar to the um, experience in a a, a Kolsch house in Cologne, where you walk in, there's only one beer being served. You sit down at a table um, server comes over, puts the beer in front of you, puts a notch, you know, on the coaster. That's where our name comes from. Uh Um, Hmm. And it's, so I mean the antithesis of a taproom experience, right? One beer, you don't need to order. It comes predetermined size and a stanga, which is stanga, the liters. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, served from a crons, you know, the tray. Um, and at the end of the, the session, they count up your notches and you pay your bill. And and it's it's an industry heavy event because industry people love it. Brewers love this, but we're seeing that being more popular with, with consumers too because it's so different. A lot of people haven't traveled you know it's it's in you know, the last two three years has been really difficult to, to get on a plane and go somewhere so you can bring a little bit of experience there and again we're not trying to be uh, you know uh disney world with this it's an appreciation you know of that and so we do things that, you know they're not by the letter but they're definitely pretty close uh to, to have that fun we and so we've done check nights where it's just check beer only uh we do an Oktoberfest, obviously because we do a lot of german beer um and we do uh we're in a, again with salem it's a, a deep polish community that my family came from and so we would do polish beers and we do a polish festival uh each year with polish food my sister does a whole menu it, it's so it's you know it's more community based um and again a, a little bit different than everything else you know going on it's a lot more work it'd be easy for us to have a trivia night but um you know we, we have we we try to do one trivia night where it was all salem Um, history in Salem trivia. And it just, it didn't play, you know, people didn't like it. So we canceled it.
0: Mm -hmm. Interesting. Um, What about food choices?
4: Um, So food, we do what we call European, basically beer hall um, bites or snacks, and it's, you wouldn't come in here for a full meal, although you could have one, but it's more based on um, things you would find, you know, as you're in a a beer hall in Germany, Uh, we do everything from, um, you know, Czech cheese plate to um, uh, German pretzel, German brats. We do Belgian waffle, um, you know, things like that. Just more like things that will, um, you, you want to consume while you're you're eating food, um, but not really the main focus, you know, really coming in here for the meal, like the, you know, like you would in the beer secondary, the beer's primary and, and the food choices are second, or, or secondary, but still high quality and, and thought out and not, um, we try not to replicate we try not to replicate everyone else around us we try to be unique
1: i've been to both yeah i've been to both your locations and they give me a real like european vibe like you say um it's very family friendly it's very dog friendly or at least the one in salem i remember there were a lot of dogs on the patio um how does the but then i've also been to the brighton location which is next to an on-ramp essentially which that doesn't detract from the overall. Space. It's very nice. It's very like enclosed. How do each do you have a different vibe for each of them? Do you feel like I've been to both and they feel very like cohesive, but I didn't know if there was something that in the Brighton location you wanted to showcase versus your flagship in Salem.
4: Well, both buildings are historic. So um, the, the Brighton location, that building is the National Historic Register. It's been there for um, since the 1800s um, and is uh you know, it's won awards for um, ad uh, historic adaptation um, and reuse, oh, wow. and um, it's a pretty special place. I think on ramp is a little harsh.
1: There is a literal on ramp nearby. I'm not. Try- it, it, I'm not. <laughs> you can't hear it's a, it. An, it's an
4: entry point to Soldier Field Road, which abuts <laughs> the Mystic, which, which abuts the, 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 uh, the Charles River. Um, so. Uh, you know, it's like, I, or not. I didn't it's mean, not, it's I didn't, not like we're a 95 or the I didn't mean to well be because.
1: offensive. I was just, there's it's, I, yeah. All right. I apologize. I I, hear what you're I saying. apologize no, it, for my on-ramp comment.
4: No, no, <laughs> the, the point, I'm glad you said that. Cause the point one of the unique things about that building is we're in the middle of the city and you stand in our beer garden and you can be in Bavaria because you wouldn't even know you're in the city. Cause it, it's basically uh, the old horse stables for a horse track that was on the Charles river um, in the early 1900s. And so, one of the things that was really appealing to us was this historical nature of this facility. But the reuse would be really cool. Our brewery and our tap room are in old horse stables. Fascinating, right? And the rest of the, the beer garden is surrounded by stables, and, and all those stables are now you know food stalls and retail shops that, that you know feed onto the beer garden itself. Um, so it's that that was the, the the reason why we wanted to do that. I got asked every week to do something in Seaport, which is the new development area. Um, in Boston. And that couldn't have been more um, boring to me to be in a new high rise where you're the anchor tenant um, in a brand new building that it just doesn't have any character. To me, I, I didn't think was, was uh, in tune with how we wanted to, to, to be presented. And that's why we, we chose the Brighton location because it was so unique. Uh, in Salem, we're in a building that is you know, 100 years old or 100 years old. We won um, historic Salem award for adaptive reuse um in that you know this was an old basically uh, uh, showroom for REO uh motor car which is the precursor to olds also also the model of the REO Speedwagon um nice. which it was the truck and so we're in an old basic you know uh, 1914 um showroom and garage which uh has 20 foot ceilings and wonderful brick architecture and detail and design and those elements really spoke to us in terms of how, where we wanted to do our beer drinking Um, and it offered us the ability to, to, um, work with the buildings in a way that, um, you know, all we, I always walked into Salem said, all we need to do with this renovation is not fuck it up because it already, the bones were so good. So we didn't really want to layer on a bunch of stuff on top of it. I had this idea that I wanted to recreate the golden tiger in Prague, which you've ever been to is the arched ceilings, um, wood. And I walked into that spot in Salem and was like, we can't recreate that here. It's just, we have this beautiful building. So let's work with what we have. So again, we weren't trying to be, um, you know, uh, paint by numbers, check your hall, but we wanted to have have some have, have a feeling of it, but work within the space that we had, you know? So I think both locations are very different, but they both have that, that feel of like, all right, there's a really important um, building here, great architecture that was um, you know, paid homage to. Um, and then a little, as little as done to it as possible, because we were working with such great bones. Um, so yeah, that's kind of like the, the genesis of the, 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 the the two bodies of, of, of buildings that, that we, we worked with.
0: So I'm super impressed by how much, you know, thought and effort you've put into everything. Do you feel, I mean, I know you did it for your own reasons, but do you feel your customers appreciate that and understand it? Do you think that the do you ever have to fight back against customers saying, well, why don't you have flights? Everybody has flights. I, I want to have a flight.
4: Um, it's a little bit easier today than it was seven years ago when we opened. We opened the day we opened, I looked at our staff and I said, I'm putting a lot of pressure on you because we're doing a lot of things other tap rooms do. We're not doing a lot of things other tap rooms do. And the consumers gotten used to going to tap rooms and just having a generic experience like flights etc again like there was an expectation of tap room customers that there would be a tap room experience and it led to a kind of generic world after a while right how many you know flights can you get in tulip glasses before you just get what you drink in um so we don't do flights um we do uh pours and proper glassware we love foam even though, we, even though that was you know seven years ago, people walked in like, "What the f is with all the foam?" And so it was for us. It, that was the educational opportunity to inform this new guest, this new customer, about what we were doing that was unique and different, and not only the way we brewed beer, you know, in terms of our Czech beers being um, multiple decoctions, open fermented, you know, lagered horizontally, uh, all all these things that were really important to us, we were serving them, you know, in a manner that was as respectful to the beer as we could possibly, um, you know, do. And we didn't want to use shaker glasses or put it in flights. We wanted to to do it like the way it was done, you know, in, in the homes of these beers. So, um, we were the first brewery in the U S to have a Luca faucet, you know, and so talk about a, a world of hurt in terms of, um, trying to, uh, Educate a consumer that has never seen foam. Never mind a faucet that's going into the beer that you would never do on a U.S. faucet. You know, so I mean, a lot of this was, um, you know, because this, again, the way where I started, the styles of beer we we're producing, we wanted to to serve them in a manner that was, you know, consistent and um, you know, differentiated and you know, the way we love to do it. So. You know, when someone walks in, in to answer your question in a really long-winded way, I apologize. <laughs> the, no, I love this. No, this no, it's good. Great. It's
1: good. I am love it. We <laughs> are <you're> in <laughs> fact,
4: answering all of my questions before I ask them. So this yeah, is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was really on our staff to, to be well-educated and informed. In um, a lot of them wanted to work because, oh, I I you know, we're only serving beer. There's no mixed drinks, you know, um, limited food menu. And then they learned, you know, they understood all the beer knowledge they had to, to had to, um assume right away and like wow this is a lot of work <laughs> you know mixed drink is actually easier um so uh you know but they came through in spades and and we had to put our head down for a number of years to even get recognition of what we were doing but it paid off you know it paid off in a way that people like start to start to understand after after a number of years like oh all right we're not doing is really neat and it's really cool and the beers are good and um the service is good and um and we we want over one people over and we've had people leave because we do things differently and um Salem is a tourist town for a lot of the year and tourists have an expectation of what they want and if it's not there they'll leave but don't once but we have um, you know, nine, nine for every one one story there, we have nine stories of a customer came in and didn't really understand what we were doing. Got the beer, came back to the bar and said, "Thank you, that was really good. That was really cool. I never experienced the beer like that before. I'm really glad that you, you walked me through that." Um, you know, so again, a little bit of effort, but a great reward.
1: How do you educate your staff? Like, is there readings? Is it just learn by doing? Is there? I mean, because I've been to both the locations and the staff was. I'm not just saying this because you're here. The staff was excellent, uh, well, pre- and very, I, yeah, and very thoughtful. So I don't know if there's like a, you know, are they cicerone trained? Are they brewing with you? Is there hands-on stuff? Like, what makes a good to you? What makes a good tasting room beer tender to use it
4: for? No, a I server? appreciate that. Um, what, um, one being a nice person. We 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 can. I this comes from uh, Kevin, our GM, and his mantra is. Um, we can train anyone, but you have to be a nice person to start. That that is that is number one, um, and so it's at, that's attitude, right? Um, but from an educational standpoint, Cicerone is not re- is not something we uh, we advocate. If you are one, great, we'll, we'll we'll appreciate that. But we're we're we have a very narrow kind of focus on what we do. So Cicerone is pretty wide ranging, right? Um, but but helpful. Um, so we um, all new staff you know, uh, understands the different types of pours we do and the different, different types of equipment that we have, the reason why we're doing them. And then they practice a lot. We waste a lot of beer and um, making sure people understand how to pour the beer. And when Brighton, when Brighton opened, we had a week of pouring. I think we went through probably six to seven kegs, you know, in two days, just pour, putting beer down the drain or giving it to friends who wanted to show up to make sure that they were able to pour beer properly. And the one thing that our staff does, they, they go to the breweries, which they love and they come back and like, Wow, they could use some training on that Luca faucet. <laughs> we hear we hear that a lot. Cause it's hard. It's not easy. It's not easy to um to master unless you do it with repetition and, and iteration. So um there's the hands-on and then there's um the training that we do in terms of uh bureau education. Um we have a uh, restaurant called Pre-Meal, but before we open every single day, 15 15 minutes before we open, a brewer will come to each one of um, you know, the locations or at the location, come to the bar and give a Pre-Meal on a beer or a serving technique or something new. We have something called our Beer Book, um, which has every single beer we ever produced and all the information and details on that. So if there is downtime, they can take a look at it. We have a beer glossary, which informs our, our beer menus and our website. So those are all consistent um so it's it's a lot of touch points we do once a quarter we do a staff pouring competition where the staff comes in we do education for a couple hours and at the end of it then we do a competition who can pour the best beer not only in appearance but then also proper measure that you get your half liter on the on the number with with a good presentation so it's it's a it's it's a lot of effort um and you know when we get when, when it's human nature when things get busy that stuff can be pushed to the back we try really hard that Um, that stuff doesn't get pushed to the back even during times of you know coven staff uh, shortages and 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 labor shortages it's it's always been top of our list
0: do you find you have less staff turnover it sounds like you put so much care uh into educating your your staff uh, and have a and have a unique environment for the customer which translates into a unique environment for for the uh, employee as well has that translated into other benefits
4: um we have seen good we've our staff retention has been great um we still have staff um today that we're, they've been here for six years you know and some of some part time um which is wonderful they, they enjoy you know being here so our staff retention is great um it's also sometimes we lose people quickly because um it's it's just a lot you know it, it's a lot to um some people think they can just come in. Oh, I'm just going to pour beer, and it's not right. just pouring beer. It's a lot different. It, it's not if you want to come in and have a social scene as a part-time job. It's really not the great, best place for you because we we put a lot of um, oh, pressure is the wrong word. We have high expectations for our staff to deliver, um, and you know we've gained somewhat of a reputation over the last few years um, in making really good lager. and and so there's a high expectation when people come in um, that we, we want to provide them uh, the service that you know is um uh equal to you know the beer that we're making so um the 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 server is as important as the brewer you know they, they're both they're both a critical link in making sure that you know it, it's it, there's a good connection to the customer great
0: okay uh am i feel like i'm dominating this uh
1: no i'm trying okay. <laughs> to, I'm, I'm my i've am trying to make sure that like i know this is this is a side note but like i've got so many more questions because I also where I work part-time in tasting room, which we'll talk about later. Um, and so I'm always really fascinated with talking about customer experience
0: yeah.
1: um, because I get, I feel like sometimes when I work in the tasting room, I kind of, I have a script and that's how I like deal with or not deal with, that's the wrong word. How do I approach customers? Um, you know, Chris, what do you think would be like if customers could come in? What do you wish they knew when they come in? Like, I know that's a weird question, but I always find there's so many different customers. There's customers that treat a tasting room like a bar uh, and then you have to cut them off. Uh, There's customers who expect one thing and get something else, which obviously that's you're the something else. (laughs) Um, there There are experts that come in. I'm sure you I've seen you talk about this. Where uh, the
4: beer expert, the
1: beer expert who comes in, who you pour me you everything
0: you're
4: doing. Let around.
1: me tell you. Yeah. Um, I had <laughs> I had a guy ask me a question and then he goes, let me uh, let you uh, redeem yourself with my next question." Oh, and I was oh. like, whoa. Wow. And that was um, that was about three weeks ago. So that was a and I was like, OK, like, sure. Um, and I knew the answer. And he was like, good for you. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was oh. like, OK, um, how do you do with the people who you give them foam? Or you give them a beer and they go, what the hell is this?
4: Um, um, my staff is way better at it than I am because I have such <laughs> short views on that. Um, the, uh, I'm not, maybe I am. I might be stereotyping here a little bit, but it, uh, based on our sample size um, of customers who hate foam, the British are top of the list. And not only are they top of the list of hating foam, they are top of the list of knowing more than you do about Oh, thank you, camera.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs>
4: so, I know that's rooted. You know that that's that's um, you know based upon uh, weights and measurements and all this stuff in in, in the UK. And and um, so we try to talk them through. They're actually getting a full measure. What is wet foam? What does that wet foam contain in terms of beer? And a lot of people just don't have it because they think they know more than you. And we just we just try to treat that with kindness and smile. And that's really hard. That's really, really hard just to bite your tongue, you know, treat them with kindness and they're gonna think they're no matter what happens, they're gonna still think they're they won. So why mm-hmm. even get in an argument? Just you know, be pleasant about it and, and move on. So again, that's a lot of pressure on our staff. Um, but for those who come in um wanting like a cookie cutter experience, we just we we hold to our point of view. I am I am a consumer who loves to walk into a place and sees a place with a strong point of view where I am challenged. I walk in like, whoa, okay, this is different. I'm gonna I'm gonna learn something here and I open up and I really want to understand it rather than going in saying this place doesn't have what I'm used to, I'm really pissed off. How come you don't have this? No one walks into an Italian restaurant saying, How come you don't have Chinese food? Right. I, I know it's like an extreme example, but no one walks into a seafood restaurant saying, Where's your steak? Right. But with beer, people walk in saying, How come you don't have a hazy, you know, double IPA? Right? What do you have that's juicy? Well, we do this, and people shut down. It's 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 really a unique. Um, I think in the United States that you know there's a consumer that just expects a, a certain experience, um, and maybe because those experiences are so frequent, right? And maybe that's something we should think about that there isn't enough diversity, um, and they're not seeing enough diversity. They didn't, Why would they expect something different? So I don't know if I'm answering your question. We um, we we have the, the difficult, you know, the consumer customer. We just try to smile and be kind and and, and, and treat it with. Um, you know, respect and just let them know what we do. And they can either come aboard and have fun with us or they don't, and that's their, that's their decision.
0: So I guess if I can just expand on that, like not every customer is gonna necessarily be confrontational about it. They might be open to the idea, but they still come in with a preconceived notion. So a customer comes up and says, oh, do you, and, and asks genuinely, you know, do you offer flights? What What's the response they'll get? To that we don't like offer
4: it's... flights we don't offer flights but we do offer uh are schnitz schnitz are german and Czech half poor and that allows you to sample um eight ounces of the beer you know rather than four ounces and it gives you a little bit more time to experience that beer so we okay. can offer that we can offer those instead okay. and mo- most people are like oh, okay and so to the couple that comes in wanting you know two paddles to be able to rate it untapped they get four schnitz and share them and so they can still have their their experience a little bit but you know for us it's you know we make you know some you know delicate beers that don't aren't going to show well in a, in a glass that's really small that warms up over time as you're drinking these other beers and you know, it's just it's just not the, the the way that we want our beers to be uh, one presented um to consumed. consume we, we really want them to be consumed the way that we brew them for but um, you know, I, the, the schnitt for us,
0: is, uh, is just a way for us to kind of, you know, come in from a different angle on that. I, I also, I also want to say that schnitt is a fun word to say.
1: It's fun. I also, I'm as a lightweight, um, I'm a big schnitt fan, uh, cause you can get like two or three and then you're like, I'm good. And, but I got to try a few options. I really, fractional pores are a big, I'm a big fan of, not necessarily flights, but a good fractional pour. And
4: I isn't consider. it great? Isn't it great to get them in, in the glass that is much larger than the pour? Because yes. then you get to smell the aromatics, you and get to, you, get, yes. you get, to get the
1: foam. Yeah, foam you, yeah. get to,
4: you get to drink it like you're drinking out of a normal glass, not out of this little taster where you can't really experience all that. That's why I love the schnitz. I get schnitz all the time because, mm-hmm. as as a brewer, I want to constantly taste our board. Because I want I want to make sure everything's tasting the way it should, and the only way I can do that is to have smaller pores, right? And so I typically do that after work. You know, I get like three schnitz or something like that. And you know, I'm, I'm not three beers in; I'm a beer and a half in. Yeah. That's really right. that's really great. Right,
0: um, Chris, we're we're running a little bit uh, short on time here, but I do want to uh, ask specifically about the side pull uh, tap. Yeah. Uh, very popular. You you were the first one to have it in America, but they're very popular now. Um, for for those who are unfamiliar, what is it? what makes it great? What should people what should consumers appreciate about it? Um,
4: so the lucre um, faucet, which we call the, the side side pole faucet. Uh, it's different in design from a typical American faucet. The side The side pole lucre faucet has a ball valve, um, which is the most important part. Um, and that ball valve allows you to restrict flow to create foam. So when that when it's not fully open, that restriction will cause CO2 to come out of solution and create foam. Mm-hmm. The second part of that Luger faucet is in in the downspout, if you will. Um, there's a, there's a fine mesh screen that then takes those bubbles that have been forced out of solution and puts them into a uniform small size uh, as you're pouring into into the um, into the mug. So then the way you pour it is you create foam coming out of the faucet first. You put your mug. Um, uh into into uh, underneath that that flow all the way at the bottom of the glass so you're creating foam first so three fingers of foam are created um and then the faucet is turned all the way on and clear beer will come out that clear beer then uh is built underneath the foam and so at the end you get what looks like a a mug if you have a a check mug looks like it's like half half foam half beer uh, the way the mug is designed is you're gonna um when that beer dissipates, because the foam has a good deal deal of beer in it, it's gonna dissipate and you'll get a half liter of beer, two fingers of foam, and you drink through the foam, which is really dense and creamy. And that foam has a lot of aromatics coming out of it as well, a good hop character coming out. And when you get to the beer, because the beer has not been um like slow poured, slow pour will knock all of, all the CO2 out of solution, where, where the, the pour allows you to pour the beer and maintain that carbonation. So the, the beer's bright. Um, and has that carbonation that's going to you know be there through the foam. So it's a, it's it's a great experience of drinking through that foam, getting to that really bright you know well carbonated beer. Um, you know, for a pale lager, it, a Czech pale lager, it's really uh, much different than getting something that would be a standard pour off a faucet. Again, it's not better; it's just it's just a different way to, to experience it. And I really like that for our Czech lagers.
1: Do you do other pours off the side pole, other than yeah. the Czech lagers, or so, like? Well, would you, do, yeah, well, would you do a best bidder through or? Oh,
4: so do, yeah, we will not do other beers through the Czech faucets. We have four faucets, um, to pour in Salem and in Brighton, um, mm-hmm. in Brighton, they all come from our, direct from our lagering tanks in Salem. they We do Keg in Salem. Um, but we typically have two pale lagers, two Czech pale lagers, a 10 and full play-doh, an amber or pulled tamave, and then a dark either tamave or chernay all year. So they're always filled with our track beers. So we don't really have anything else on there. We have, mm. we have pulled other things through there. We've tried, um, we have a Scottish sweet, uh, we've tried through there because it creates a really Ooh. dense, creamy, foamy head. That that works really well. So other beer styles can work. And um, uh, it, it just depends on the beer and if, if it works, you know, like, like not everything's good on nitro, right? Sure. You know, and so it's kind of the same thing. Some, Some would beers... argue
0: nothing is good on nitro, but anyways.
4: <laughs> Don. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, uh yeah so um some people might argue nothing's good off a of luger faucet now that we have customers that come in who who want the check lager and a willy and we, we'll put any beer in any any mug for you or any glass right we, we, we have a suggested way to do it but um you know some people really want um you know, they don't want all that foam they want just a really bright you know low 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 uh low foam head we'll do that for them that's fine yeah but we have a suggested suggested way to do it so um yeah that's so your question was do you do other pours like i thought you were going towards that we do the the, the milk pour or the, or the malico pour um and then we also do a schnitt off of that as well um but that's it we don't we don't really go too far into any other pours you know off the lucre faucet okay
1: awesome i wow. want i want a beer off a of lucre tap right now don
0: i i want to go to Notch.
1: To come on down <laughs> I'm, oh, yes. uh,
0: this was great. So, um, thank you very much, Chris, for being on the All About Beer podcast.
1: No,
4: I, I appreciate it. Again, I just want to
0: finish with saying that what we we're not what we do we're not doing
4: this because we think we're, we're we're more correct in something. This is just our point of view. I go to other breweries who do nothing like we do, and I love I love going there because right. it's nothing like we do, and it's refreshing to, to, see, to see something different. I, I I just like different points of view, and so it's fun to see. Um, uh, a lot of variety, and that's that's what we're really trying to to show. There's, there's other ways to to, to do things.
0: Um, yeah, you you can like I, yeah. funk music and classical music, the, the yes. two things. Yeah, you absolutely yeah. can. So that's that's a good analogy. Sorry, Am, I cut you off?
1: Oh no, you're good. I was just gonna say that I want to go to notch. That's all. I just want to keep <laughs> talking about how much I enjoy your. I like the vibe. It gives me like if a German beer garden and an English pub had a baby in the like pub vibe that like you go to a pub to spend time with friends and family, not in the like actual aesthetic of the pub.
4: No, I, I think that that's fair. Like we're, we're not trying to, again, we're not trying to be, you know, uh, Disney World with our approach to to these these cultures. We're trying to just uh, appreciate them. And, and if there's, you know, in the true American fashion, there's a little bit of a hybrid, right? And, and that it kind of works for us. So I, I, I appreciate that viewpoint. I think that works, that's right.
0: Thank you. Awesome. Thank you again, Chris. All right. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Thank you. We'll have a chat with Kinsey Bernard next, but first a word from our sponsors.
2: This show is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company's award-winning craft non-alcoholic beers are fit for all times. Downtime, work time, game time, even gym time. Pick a time and grab an athletic because it's about time you could enjoy a great tasting brew anytime you want. Even right now, head to athleticbrewing.com and get some fresh brews delivered. New customers can even get 20% off with code All About Beer20 and free shipping on two six packs or more.
3: Hi, this is John Hall, the editor of All About Beer, inviting you to check out the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast. It's available on all of the major platforms, and the weekly show features long-form conversations with brewers, growers, and personalities from the beer industry. New episodes release every Wednesday. Just search, drink beer, think beer.
1: Kinsey Bernhard is the Director of Hospitality at Austin Beer Works and the host of the Boys Are From Merzen podcast, which is a craft beer podcast featuring women in the industry. She is a member of the Austin chapter of the Pink Boot Society. In her free time, you can find Kinsey spending time with her dogs Oberon and Otto, hiking, reading, or browsing the, f- the frozen food aisle at Trader Joe's.
5: Kinsey, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
1: Cool. Well, we're gonna, here to talk about the tasting room. Um, at first, can you just tell us you work at Austin Beer Works, what you do there, and uh, your you know tap room? What's the tap room like at Austin Beer Works besides what you do there?
5: yeah so i am the director of hospitality um it's kind of a fancy word um or general manager um so i oversee the entire tap room um we have a permanent food truck on site so i oversee that and the kitchen staff and um merch all that fun stuff so everything you think of when you go into a tap room or tasting room i basically oversee that Um, a little bit about austin beer works we are located in north austin uh, we just celebrated 12 years of business, which is exciting. I just uh, came on with uh, the company back in May. I just moved here from Louisville, Kentucky. Um, we have about 20 beers on tap, everything from light loggers, you know, to IPAs. Um, in Austin, you don't find a lot of dark beers, but we do have one, especially this time of the year. Um, people are not wanting a stout when it's 100 degrees on, but we do have a stout on right now. It's pretty low ABB, um, close to about four and a half percent. Like I mentioned, we have an on-site food truck, um, which is pretty cool. We've had that for a while. So it kind of alleviates the pain that some people experience of having a kitchen inside a tap room, which I feel like a lot of breweries are moving towards the permanent food truck kind of outside the tasting room. But yeah, I've been here, um, almost four months and really enjoying the role and Austin's a really cool city. It's a really great beer city. Cool, cool. So
1: I guess my thing is so I've never been to Austin Don. Have you been to Austin Beer Works? I apologize. I no, yeah, I have not. I haven't been to Austin since I was 12. So I was not drinking beer at uh, at that age. Um, but what's it like when you walk in? So, like if I'm a customer and I've never heard of your like brewery or mm-hmm. beer tasting room, like I'm walking in, what am I, what should I expect? What's different than the normal. Uh, we just had Chris Loring on and his thing was notch is not the typical tasting room, uh, whatever that mean. Like what to you is Aust- uh, Austin Bear Works, the typical tasting room? What does that mean to you? How is it different?
5: Um, well, I see. feel like now a lot of days you see very, uh, I don't want to say modern, but, you know, a lot of the new breweries in the past like couple years, you know, they're kind of going with a different way of designing tap rooms either it's very modern it's kind of you know we're not seeing the warehouse tap room that you used to see you know five you know six seven years ago um so we're you know like i said we're 12 years old so we're it's we're we're pretty old you know tap, um brewery and it's not that it's old looking but you definitely see things in there that you don't really see with breweries you know that have opened in just the past five or six years especially the newer ones some of these new breweries are so nice and pretty and clean and that's awesome but we're a little bit you know i want to say kind of homey uh you walk in we have eight huge giant wooden tables i mean they look like you know we cut a a big tree in half and um they fit about six people 16 people excuse me and then so that we have eight tables inside it's austin so we have a lot of outdoor seating area although in the month of July, not many people sat out there. Um, <laughs> it's <little warm>, yeah. <laughs> just a little warm, yeah. Just a little uh Most, you know, it's nice, though, because we can use that outdoor seating area at least 10 to 11 months of the year. Um, I haven't experienced Austin in February, but I think that's the one month that people are not wanting to be outside. And then, yeah, we have a bunch of outdoor seating area, misters, covered, you know, covered patio, ones that aren't covered. Um, you walk in, we've got, you know, very bright colored um, with like signs, you know, one of our big key words is quality. And so when you walk in, you see this big big sign that says quality uh, right behind the bar. Um, you can see, we call them hockey, our hockey glass. So you can see um, the um, cellar, which is the our fermenters through the hockey glass on the, you know, when you walk in right to the right, which is pretty cool. So you see a lot of people walking up to those you know, we're open right now and we're brewing right now. So you kind of get to see a little bit of live action, if you want to call it a beer, actually being brewed and transferred. Um, which is really cool. I love, you know, when I can go to a brewery and I can see their, their production area, uh, you can walk all the way over and you kind of see the, the cold side of it too. And I think that's just a really neat aspect of Austin beer works that you don't get to see with a lot of breweries. Um, and we've got pretty big tanks, so it's kind of cool to see how much beer we can actually brew. How many people? How? What's the seating capacity for your tasting room? Oh gosh, I should know this answer, but I
1: large, small. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to give it's, it like an approximate.
5: So inside's probably about you know sixteen times eight is whatever that is off the top. Sure. Of my head. Yeah, I was
1: going to be like yeah, whatever that number. One hundred twenty-four. Uh, thank you, Don. Don. Yeah, thank you, Don.
5: Yeah, about you know I'd say we can fit inside maybe close to 100, over one hundred and twenty people, and then outside it's kind of limitless. Um, we have a you know ten to 15 tables outside where people are always filled. So we can fit a pretty big number of people in our space. So uh, we're pretty close to the the new soccer stadium here in Austin. So during any kind of home game, we get a pretty big crowd in there, which is pretty awesome that we can fit them. And, but you're not feeling like it's really crowded. Um, I know a lot of people post COVID have had issues with big crowds. It doesn't ever feel like that um, with our tap room she um or we you know have a lot of outdoor space so it's cool to be able to spread people out and not feel like you're on top of each other during busy events and we have a lot of like i don't want to say gravel area but some area that we can like set up for vendor markets you know bring in events you know have stuff kind of live music outside for events we have that area to do that as well we are in an industrial area so it is very it's kind of funny um, uh, people always, you know, we get a lot of tourists who come in and want to come to Austin Burex and they're always like, I'm really surprised where you are. There's nothing else around here. And there isn't when we, when we got this building, you know, 12 years ago, this was, um, you know, it wasn't as industrial as it is. And we'd hope to make it more of like an, I don't want to say like a nightlife area, but, um, we're the only, you know, it's not, you don't walk to Austin Burex, um, So it's, it's a little bit different in that aspect, but we've, we've created such a brand and an identity that it makes people want to come up and see us. And there are breweries within driving distance. So it's, it's nice to have that as well. So people can kind of brewery hop as well, but yeah, we're in an industrial like park, lots of, you know, businesses and, um, that kind of thing, lots of trucks, you know, moving stuff. So it's just a little different in that aspect, but you know, we, we really, you know, as a as a manager, I really like to hone on the fact that like people come to see us for a reason. So let's kind of give them the best experience they can.
0: Well, that's good. Do you feel, so just on that, do you feel extra pressure to give people a, a better experience because they've made an effort?
5: It's that's funny. Yassa. It's something I thought about a lot recently. Someone brought up a good point to me. It's like, you know, when I say probably about 60% of our customers each week are new customers. And, you know, Austin is a, it's a very big tourist town. It's warm. It's it's cool. It's quote unquote, I don't want to say up and coming. I think it's past that point. Um, it's the hot city to live, it's the LA of Texas. Um, so yeah, I I definitely feel a little, as in we me or my me and my team, a little pressure of like, hey, these people are coming in here because they've heard about us. Because the really interesting about Austin Works that I want to mention is we don't distribute outside the city of Austin. Um we are just um, in the Austin metro area, so you cannot find our beer in Dallas, Houston, you know, San Antonio, any of the other big cities. So there's a pressure that when you know people come to Austin, they've heard of us, they've probably had our beer before, you know, whether it's through friends or family, or you know they were out at a bar. Um, so there's a pressure to kind of give that really great experience when somebody comes in to finally you know see our tap room. Um, and you know obviously you always want to hammer down a great you know customer service experience with your staff and I think we do a really great job of that because we we know that so many people who come through our door are first our first timers but I mean of course we have regulars, but um a majority of our customers are people who are in town visiting from whether he's somewhere in Texas or you know we constantly see people from all those states, whether it's you know Pacific Northwest or the East coast, or so it, it, it does add a little pressure. Um, but as such a, an established, you know, brand, um, they've been doing things so well for so long that it makes, it makes my job just a little bit easier. Do you guys do flights? We do, we offer flights. It is, you know, four in a flight, you know, standard, you know, I think they're five ounce glasses. So four ounce pour with a little, little foam. They're very, those are very popular, obviously, when you see, especially on weekends, you know, there'll be a group of, you know, five or six come in and they'll order flights. And, you know, that's just a a standard and every bartender hates flights and (laughs) uh, nobody loves them. They are a pain, but I think they're, they're very important, um, to be able to try four different beers, especially we have a lot of beers on tap that we don't package. So it's really important to be able to have them try all those and then, you know, maybe you know buy a full pint of it um one thing i like to hammer with my staff is yes it can be annoying when someone wants to try six different tasters of a beer but let them try it i'd rather waste you know an ounce of six beers and 16 ounces of a whole beer or something if Ah. the person didn't like it and return it um it just enhances the customer experience if you're like yeah hey let me give you a sample you my thing is People are their their own best judgment of their own taste buds. Like, I know my taste buds better than the bartender I'm talking to. Um, so, a bartender can describe the beer, but the person's not going to know if they like it unless they try it.
0: What, what percentage of people do you think will order a flight and then will order a, a full pint after?
5: It's probably low. Um, I would say maybe, you know, if we do, you know, 20 flights, it's probably... I would say a majority, you know.
0: Okay.
5: Uh, I'm trying to think. I'm bad with math. I, I can't tell. I,
0: I you know, I'm actually bad management. I want yeah. to go back and say that 16 times eight is 128, not 124.
5: Yes. <laughs> anyway, so <sorry>. uh, <laughs> no I would actually I, I take that back. I would say, you know, most people who order a flight will then order a pint. Um will, okay. I don't think people are coming in and ordering two flights. Um right, okay. I, I was thinking the fact like they order a flight and that's it. Um, but if I, if they do, or if they are staying and they get another drink, it probably is a full pint
0: of something that was in the flight or I uh, guess I'm just trying to understand, you know, some of the consumer behavior and, and how right. that maybe reflects what you do then.
5: Yeah, I would say it, you know, it's, it's in the flight you know, yeah. and, okay. you know, they found one they really liked and they want to, you know, you can, you can obviously get a good feel for how a beer is in a taster. Or in a in a flight pour, but I think you can really get it when you get a full pour. And especially where, glassware is really important to us. And um, pouring in the right glassware. So if it's an IPA, we have an IPA glass. So they're really getting that you know whole experience of drinking an IPA in the right glass. And I think that can just really you know take them from liking a beer to actually loving that beer.
1: Right. What's the one thing U.S. customers would do like better in the tasting room? Do they like? from treating it like a bar or talking down to staff or thinking they know more than the staff. Uh, Those are some things I experience because I work part-time in a tasting room. Um, But like, I don't know what your staff experiences and wish, like, what, what do you think if a customer came in, which, what, what do you think they
5: wish they knew? To look around and read signs before asking a question. Oh my God. Yes. (laughs) I don't want to down like, like, I mean, this is a question that I could spend hours on, but I won't. And I know I've, I'm guilty of it too. We have signs that say where the bathroom are. We have signs that say we're merch. you know, if you can't find something, you look around for it for a while, you know, it's the same thing within a tap room. Like it's just, it's, it's, it's astonishing how many people ask questions that the answer would only take them two seconds if they looked around. Um, and you know, we have signs everywhere, and my staff is always asking, make another sign, make another sign. And I'm like, We can make this sign flashing lights, you know, whatever, and people won't read them. Um, and I don't know if that's more of a reflection on just society in general. People don't read, people, people don't read. Read. I don't
1: I don't read. I it's I mean, I do re- I actually read real books, but I never read I never read signs, and it's 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 tough. I don't know why we as a people Don, do you read signs? Are you a sign reader?
0: Uh I like to think that I do, but I can definitely think of occasions where I've asked, like, oh, where's the washroom? And mm-hmm. you know, when it's pointed out to me, it's obvious, but yeah, but it wasn't obvious for whatever reason. So I find this interesting.
5: Yeah. We have so when you order you order food at our the bar and we give them a coaster and we tell them you pick up the food. We have a coaster and it buzzes when your food's ready. Right. You no, know, on the coaster it says pick up the food at the food truck. we tell them, but, you know, those, those return, um, you know, those new people um, still come back up and it's like, where'd I pick up my food again? So it's just <laughs> like, it and, and I think it's more of a, a, a societal thing. Like, no, it's, I don't want to say it's laziness. It's just, we're so, you know, we'd rather just ask the easy question than, you know, us doing the work. Mm-hmm. Right. But that would be my one thing, you know, you know, take a time, maybe look around, you know, oh, there's probably only a few places that a bathroom would be in a tap room. And I'm sure sure if you walk that way, you'll find it. (laughs) (laughs) Look for a hallway. Yeah, it's usually, especially in our tap room, there's only two places it can be.
0: I like that. (laughs) Not the answer I was expecting.
5: (laughs) Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah. When, I, when you ask them, I'm like, okay, everyone obviously gets a lot of like normal questions, like what kind of sours, like beer, beer related questions. I know. I mean, the biggest question we get is like, do you have sours on tap? But I was trying to think of something, you know, different. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: what's something that you wish people appreciated uh, the effort that you put into it? Like I'm thinking, for example, no customer ever really appreciates good line cleaning. Mm-hmm. But of course, good line cleaning is really essential to presenting beer properly. So like other things like that, or are there yeah, things you feel go unappreciated?
5: That's funny you say that. We just cleaned our line yesterday and it is a process. Um, we are here about 7.30 a.m. and finished at about 11. So uh, anyone wants to know, Awesome Beer Works Lines were cleaned on September 6th.
1: <laughs> you heard it um, here first, everybody. Yep.
5: I think one of the things is, like I mentioned earlier, We we do the different type of styles of glassware. We have the IPA glass, which is, um, you know, it's kind of got a little bit of an open at the top. Uh, I don't know what exactly it's called. It's a, it's a, definitely a style of glassware that I've seen more recently um, breweries use. We also have a Willie Becker, which we use for all lagers. And then we have a, a 12 ounce tulip that we use for higher ABV beers. So I think a lot of people question, you know, hey, why why is this beer in this glass? Or can I have this beer in this glass? And it's like, right. and then you kind of explain, it's like, you know, we put IPAs in this glass because it really enhances when you go in and smell it. It's a, it's a wider, you know, opening, you can, it gets flavors. I think that's, that's something that I wish people understood a little bit more. Um, You know, normal beer drinkers don't know all that, that there's a bunch of different glassware for different styles. And, you know, we could even go a step further and you know, having, you know, more specific lager glasses for our loggers, but that's something that I wish people knew more about. Um, and, you know,
0: do you think consumers are receptive to it though? Like when they say, Oh, actually, can I have this beer in that glass and presumably your staff then explain it. And then is that, Oh, that's interesting. Or like, no, this is what I want.
5: No, I, I definitely think, um, people are receptive to it. Okay, good. Yeah. I think it's, it's a great learning lesson too. You know um, obviously a lot of breweries do like the, just the standard pine class. Cause they're cheap, easy to stack, but it's really nice when you go into a brewery, you know, me as a customer and seeing that the brewery cares about, you know, s- serving beer in the proper glass words, you know, right. it's attention to detail that, you know, us beer nerds. So it's nice or be, us beer nerds recognize, but so it's nice to educate just average customers about it. It's like, Oh, okay. Austin Beer Works does care. You know, they want us to have the best, you know, some people might be like, they want to have, have the best tasting experience possible. So, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of a cool thing that I like seeing my bartenders, you know, educate, uh, staff or uh, customers on.
1: And are you educating your staff as well as their like brew days or are they doing hands-on like cleaning the lines with you, Cicerone, BJCP, anything like that? We're just um, learning as you go. Cause I mean, yeah. that's a great way to yeah. learn as well.
5: The nice thing about this staff here is, you know, they're all been here for a while. Um, we have, you know, somebody's only been here about six months, but everyone's been here at least a year. So their, their knowledge is pretty, pretty substantial or pretty, pretty large for me coming in. Um, there's always things, you know, we're, we're training them on, um, yesterday when we cleaned lines, one of the bartenders was like, Hey, I'd love to learn how to do that. So she came in and learned and um i'm very lucky to have a staff that is always wanting to learn you know different and new things and you know that's not always the case cicerone is huge um you know i've worked at places where they've required it i've worked at places where it's recommended i've worked at places where they just don't care um and i think it just kind of depends on why well, i think every bartender should be cicerone certified just for their own i i I've been in places where they've required it and there's been pushback from bartenders, you know, they don't want to study. They don't, they don't really oh. care enough. Hmm. Um, which is, which is interesting to me because, you know, I got mine right away, but then again, I'm working full-time in this industry, whereas some part-timers are like, I really don't care to get this done. So hmm. it it is interesting. You just kind of got to get a feel for your staff and like who really wants to learn and who's really interested um, and who's not but a lot of my staff, like they said, they're always, you know, Hey, Kinsey, can you show me this? Or, Hey, can you explain this? And, you know, when, when your beers come out, you know, we, I get, I get in touch with our brewer and then I, you know, go over the beer, tasting notes, you know, ABV obviously is important. IBU, you know, if we, what kind of ingredients we added to it, you know, what kind of, you know, hops and, in 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 the mall just because customers ask that too you know there's very beer nerdy customers that come in it's like hey what hops are in this beer um so it's really important just to educate your um staff on that and you know the different styles of ingredients and hops and ways hops can be added
0: if staff does want to take cicerone or whatever does austin beer works finance that or subsidize that or
5: I believe so. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm still pretty new to the role, and I'm pretty sure most of the staff is all full all full-time staff is to okay. Um, but I yes, I the answer to that is yes, because you know there's you know every state has like a license that you need to have to serve beer and you know in our case food as well, and they all have that as well. Um, and Austin Beer Works does um, reimburse. And I think that should be the case for any brewery if one of your staff is wanting to do it and it's not something you require, um, I believe that it, they should be reimbursed because that's just more training and knowledge for your bartender to help, you know, the brewery itself overall.
0: Right. Right. Cool. Yeah. Um, well, I don't,
5: anything well, else, Don?
0: Well, I wanted to ask specifically because uh, when I looked at the Austin Beer Works website, I saw that you have your code of conduct right on it. And I know, you know, probably lots of breweries have a code of conduct but yours was right there prominently on the website and so a I wanted yeah I A, I wanted to to thank you for that but then b I wanted to I guess explore how like is that part of the staff training too or like how do you ensure that that your tap room is welcoming to everybody and that that your staff that the the code of conduct is adhered to I guess and and not just idle words
5: yeah so we get um I all have to comment that that all happened before I got here but we did um do the brave noise collab which made us create a cod- code of conduct and obviously everything that's happened in the past year and a half has been at top of mind for um Austin Berks which was one of the main reasons why I came and joined the team here um you know I asked about it in my interview um but yes we obviously definitely adhere to that um, my staff is aware of it you know unfortunately I'm not always in the tap room being able to hear everything between, you know, employees after work or, um, customers come in, but you know, they know like we don't put up with anything. Um, and that if there was an unruly guest or interaction, you can kindly ask that person to leave. Um, you know, we have, you know, a lot of our bartenders are, are, are females. Um, so it's it's very important to us, and um, it, I think it should be important to a lot of breweries, but unfortunately we're not seeing that. So it was really awesome to, when I started working for Awesome Beer Works, that that was on their website and something that was, you know, important to them and still is. And yes, you were, you were made aware of it when, it is, when you're hired, um, but I also think it could be revisited every now and then as well. And, you know, that's something that I need to be better about with my staff and stuff. Um, so yeah, that's that's a great question.
0: Awesome. Thank you for that.
1: Yeah, it's really nice to see. So and I've had Austin, have you had Austin Beerworks beer, John? Beer, I have, yes. It's excellent. I just yes, wanted I to agree. It's <laughs> really, really good stuff. And everything I've had from them has been, I mean, yeah, again, I haven't been to Austin in so long, but it's really nice to see. I really enjoy when tasting rooms adhere to the place that they're from. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that really nice. Do you have I mean you have your own vibe, but is there yeah. anything that's like Austin about Austin Beerworks? Like I don't even know what that means. <laughs>
5: <laughs> we, we do a lot of collaborations with local organizations, um, which is really cool. collabs are I always love collabs and especially with ones of um, different organizations around the city. Austin is a music city, um, if you haven't heard. Um, so we try to work with any kind of local, group that's, you know, supporting local musicians, you know, you know, minorities, um, any, um, Latin, excuse me, there's a uh, Latin art weekend event here in Austin this weekend. And we brewed a beer for it, which is pretty cool. Called oh, that's cool. Uh, Somos Libres. Um, we worked with a organization called of color, um, and they designed the can label. So it's really cool that we get to work with so many awesome, you know, local organizations here. In Austin, um, and like I mentioned earlier, we don't—we are Austin. We don't distribute outside the city, mm-hmm. so our our brand is this city and, and the people we serve, and that's something we really try to remember. Um, and like I'm, you know, I mentioned this earlier. It's like people come in; they want to come to Austin Beer Works. So how can we give them the best experience possible? And we've been open twelve years, so I think they're they're doing a pretty good job at it. And I think I'm hoping I'm helping um, you know, with that as well, being here for the past four months. I'm sure you are.
1: I couldn't imagine you not. I couldn't imagine you not.
5: They say I am, but
1: well then there you go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, well, Kinsey, thank you so much for coming on the all about beer podcast. It was a pleasure to talk to you about, um, the Austin beer works tasting room and all that other stuff. Like it's, it seems like a really great, place to visit and for especially all the new customers that come and experience the Austin of Austin Beerworks. So I appreciate you stopping by today.
5: Yeah, if you ever, you know, any of your listeners come in, um, you know, mention my name or, you know, the one cool thing that I um, haven't really, you know, what am I trying to say? You know, at five o'clock at the end of the day, like at least five or six of our staff members are in the tasting room and they are very more than welcome um, to sit and talk with you, whether it's an owner, a brewer packaging, um, you know, it's, it's, we, we like to hang out in the tap room with each other and that's something very cool to see. Yeah. And, you know, customers can come and talk to us or when there's, we sitting there at the bar and somebody else sit next to them and they just, you know, strike up a conversation. And I think that that's really cool. And I think people really appreciate and value that.
0: For sure. That's awesome. Thank you, Kinsey.
5: You're welcome.
1: Thank you very much. Well, I just want to say that uh, I think we had two really great guests today.
0: Yes, that was awesome. And I it loved was, uh, Yeah. Yeah. I love that it, they, their tap rooms are different. They have a different so taste about them. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so different, but they both sound so great. And that's the cool thing about beer is that it encompasses so many different factions and everyone's opinion about their vibe or their tasting room is their call. It's a great uh, expression of beer.
0: Yeah, and I think uh, it's almost, you know, obviously, everybody who listens to this podcast is a, is a beer lover. And I think you can think about tap rooms now is not just a physical place to drink beer, but, you know, the same way you can appreciate an IPA differently than you can appreciate a Pilsner and appreciate them both. Um, I think, uh, I think I need to look at my look at tap rooms that I visit, kind of with the same idea that they're different and enjoyable in different ways.
1: That's a great point. Absolutely. Well, visit allaboutbeer.com and follow us on social media media at all about beer. Also, if you're feeling generous or like the show and want to hear more of us, why not throw us a few bucks at our Patreon, patreon.com forward slash about beer to support this show and others.
0: If you have questions for the experts, email podcast at allaboutbeer.com. That's the email for feedback, suggestions, or to inquire about advertising on this show. Speaking of advertising, here's a short short word from our sponsors.
2: This show is brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. Athletic Brewing Company's award-winning, craft, non-alcoholic beers are fit for all times. Downtime, work time, game time, even gym time. Pick a time and grab an athletic because it's about time you could enjoy a great tasting brew anytime you want, even right now. Head to athleticbrewing.com and get some fresh brews delivered. New customers can even get 20% off with code ALLABOUTBEER20 and free shipping on two six-packs or more.
3: Hi, this is John Hall, the editor of All About Beer, inviting you to check out the Drink Beer, Think Beer podcast. It's available on all of the major platforms, and the weekly show features long-form conversations with brewers, growers, and personalities from the beer industry. New episodes release every Wednesday. Just search drink beer, think
1: beer. So visit uh, me, M. Sauter, at pintsandpanels.com or social media at pintsandpanels.
0: And I'm Don Tess. You can email me at dawn at the And on all social media, I'm at the dawn of beer. This show is produced by All About Beer. Visit allaboutbeer.com for articles, notes on this show and others, and, and to connect via the newsletter and social media. Cheers.
1: Cheers.